Hello and welcome to the Clock End, an Arsenal podcast with me, Steve. And joining me today to talk all things Arsenal, Calvin, how are you, mate? You're right. Not too bad, thanks, Steve. Not too bad at all. Um, we're recording on a Wednesday, so the mood is. You know, it's not at the lowest, it's not at the highest, but it's about to start getting good because the weekend is coming nearer. Um, that's just generally how I roll Monday to Friday. I don't know about you, mate, but there's no uh, midweek football from an Arsenal perspective to, to put you down in the dumps as well, which is always a winner. But uh, yeah, how are you? What's, what's going on on your side of the pond? Yeah, not bad, mate. I'm just looking out the window. It's literally like the end of the world. Thunder, rain, wind. What's going on? It was literally like 15 degrees yesterday as well. I know. So we were just talking about it before we came on to do the recording. I was like, are you getting that warm, you know, weird warm weather? Um, you know, I was sweating earlier this week. Uh, it was from a warm one. It was weird, though. Um, we're so British. Can't do a podcast without making reference to the weather, can we? I look, the weather's a weird and wonderful thing. I look, we're just a couple of old twats at this stage, uh, talking absolute shite to, to each other. To be honest, I'd rather talk about the weather than talk about the Arsenal at the moment. Talk about the weather or Mikel Arteta. Oh, my God. He's Can right. He's bringing the bars. Bringing the bars is for That's terrible. Yeah, look, I'm Edit not... Edit out. Yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely do. Or leave it in for my embarrassment. One of the two. I'll let you decide. Well, Arsenal did play on Monday, unfortunately. And it finished 2-2. It was a game which, you know what? I was actually pretty confident going into it. I, mm-hmm. I actually genuinely thought that on the back of an international break, we'd be feeling fresh, ready to go. Um, but it turns out we're actually pretty shit. And um, the the result against Tottenham was a one-off. Mm. I think, I feel like we've all been fooled into thinking we're a good side because of that 45 minutes against Tottenham. Mm. Um, apart from that first half, we've been pretty abysmal for not just this season, you know, even towards the back end of last season. Um mm. I really like to start the, the, the podcast on, on a positive note, as you can see. Really mm-hmm. set the tone. Um, how are you feeling before the game? And what did you make of the game? Let's just dive into it. That's a lot to unpack, isn't it? What did I make yeah. of the game? Could be game? a while, listener. Could be strapping. Yes, strapping. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'll try and keep it brief. <clears throat> Let's see how that goes. This will be like <laughs> part one of 15. Part one of 15, dissecting, uh, yeah, Palace at home. Look, like you, but, you know, going into the game, um, you know, firstly, it was one of those annoying games where we had to wait after an international break until the Monday night to watch your team, which always annoys me because you just want Arsenal back in life. Uh, even when I say I want Arsenal back in life, I'm also, I can't help but go, do I? Because they, they enough frustrate the living crap out of most of us um, in this era. But let's be honest, I think most of us were pretty confident going into this game not arrogantly confident I think that's you know there are different levels of confidence you can have when you're going into a game but I do think most of us probably would have put our house on Arsenal winning the game whether that was winning it comfortably or scraping it by a 1-0 or whatever I don't think many of us would have thought we wouldn't win this game but that you know you say that with with a little bit of hindsight but at the same time how many times do we have to go into a game like this watching this modern Arsenal side where you are filled with some confidence? And like you said, there has been 45 minutes this season, really, um, where we were excellent. And that was against Tottenham, um, which has possibly, you know, not, not papered over the cracks necessarily, but 
maybe just gave us the false sense of uh, security that you know we were on the right path. Sorry to to cut across. It wasn't papering over the cracks. It was paper mache in. Yeah, paper mache in into a whole new yeah a whole new shape and God knows what else. But you know it's a, it's a phrase that we've used quite a lot um as a fan base over the years and that's you know winning the odd fa cup here and there even towards the end of arsene wenger is paving over the cracks but yeah 45 minutes so far this whole season where we were actually exciting and fun to watch um and that's the bit that it gets me the most i think because overall look the results scream mid-table this that's exactly where we're actually you know not bang mid-table anymore we went down a little bit but we're really and I said it to you before, uh, and I've said it to a couple of people afterwards, we are literally now the definition of the old Arsenal phrase to our many, many enemies um, of boring, boring Arsenal. And it's been that way definitely under Arteta for, for a while. Um, and that's my biggest concern is, again, it, and it comes back to the, it's, it's, you know, it's not losing, it's how you lose. It's, it's did you leave it all, you know, did you leave it all out there on the pitch on the day? Too many times I think we were coming off and we're going, yeah, we didn't. We just didn't. We didn't apply ourselves enough, uh, especially for a home game, at least. I'm going to leave that there and let you interject. Otherwise, I will keep going. He will keep going and going and going. No, I, I completely agree, mate. It's like, This isn't a new conversation that we're having. Mm. Um, I like to think that I'm quite level-headed. <clears throat> and actually, I've followed Arsenal for a long time. I used to get mm. quite wound up. Um and, and, you know, Monday was one of those occasions where I wasn't particularly happy just because I had that sort of moment of realisation, which, you know, you could call me stupid for, for not really realising it much sooner. But I thought, is this is this it now? Is this what we're going to expect every week, week in, week out, mm. watching this dross, depressing, mm. robotic, soulless football in the middle of Arteta where, mm. you know, we might nick a goal. Um, or you know, get a goal from a set piece, or Lacazette's going to come on as our as our only plan B, and it's just so life sucking. You know what I mean? It, it just feels so frustrating. It's like we can all see that this isn't working, and it's like soon it has to give. Monday was a real opportunity to get some points on the board. Obviously, you know, Zaha was out. You know, arguably one of Palace's best players, mm. and you know they still completely you know outplayed us. They adapted their game. We started well, first 10 minutes, I thought um, mm -hmm. it was a really positive start. I remember texting you saying we looked lively and I was excited. And as soon as we scored that goal, something changed. And um, to be honest, I think if Palace were a little bit more clinical, had a little bit more quality, mm. if they had Zahara, um, you know, I think, I think they'd have probably been ahead in the first half. They had some very good chances and, and near misses. Mm. And second half, you know, they really just, they continued that momentum and we, we didn't really get back into the game until Lacazette came on. And then it, it was very reminiscent of the Brighton game where... Wasn't it just? Yeah. And, um, the, the energy he brought in. Yeah. yeah no, and credit to him. But and I, I felt a little bit on the fence in terms of like, I didn't celebrate the goal. And is, is that me being a bit negative? Is that me being a bit ungrateful? You know, I appreciate as a football fan, you know, you could argue who doesn't love a last minute equaliser. But, mm. you know, looking at the bigger picture... It's it's sometimes hard to sort of appreciate it when it just feels like we're always constantly going backwards. That's, listen, that's the beat, point. Yeah. Listen, we, we beat Villa on Friday mm. and we say, okay, you know, it's not been a terrible week. But when you've got like some really tough games ahead, you know, um, Leeds away, Liverpool away, Leicester away, mm. 
all the all the owls um and <laughs> we'll probably take owls or all of them <laughs> but yeah. um you know these are the sort of games you have to win yeah uh, there's a couple of things you definitely touched on um, and what was really interesting um i want to come back on to the not celebrating a, a last minute equalizer um because that's that's always an interesting one and that that even that alone divides people's opinions right uh and also it's completely up to you how you want to react to to, to what you watch and um, that's your your absolute divine right and you shouldn't be questioned about that whatsoever to be perfectly honest with you but the the bright start this is something that i've mentioned to you in text um ever since we started talking really it worries me when i see our side start well and this isn't every time obviously but what was really funny for the and I don't know whether it was for the first time, but obviously, you know, like you and like many other listeners, we, you know, we listen to other podcasts as well. And I was listening to the Askcast, and I can't remember which one it was, whether it was, you know, James or Andrew that did it, but it was a case of, he, they brought this up and said, how often do you see, I mean, traditionally, Arsenal always start games pretty well. If you even look this season, right, if you, they mentioned this game, and I remember it quite clearly, and look at the first five minutes of the City game, a game we got absolutely battered in. If you watch those first five minutes and just those five minutes only, you'd be like, Arsenal look good. They looked, they looked up for it. Um, and that's the case in most of our games. We start well um, and then we just fade off, uh, which is really poor. Going, going on to the, the you know, celebrating a, a last minute draw. And I, I had this distinct thought um, after the game as well, immediately. Now, look, I celebrated the goal. Not massively, because I think there's there's more to it. It's not just the last minute equaliser where there's hope, because ultimately you're. It's always fun to see a last minute equaliser, right? Where I'm going with this was I remember years and years and years ago, I was at Highbury and I was watching Arsenal play Derby County um, at Highbury, and we scored. And funnily enough, actually, the man who scored the last minute equaliser on in a two-two draw that day as well was Patrick Vieira, funnily enough. Um, but I remember the crowd going bananas that day. And, you know, it was great to get a last-minute equaliser. But if you look at the contrast between where the club was at then and where the club was at now, I think that's when you can start to unravel maybe why are people so disappointed that it's just a 2-2 against Palace at home? Why aren't we getting excited about it? And it's because it's what we're watching unfold before that moment happens. It's this lack of desire. It's... Uh, uh, you know, Andrew on the Ars blog says we're incredibly passive. Couldn't agree more. We are just quite a toothless or gutless football team in general. Everything we do is safety first. Mm. Um, the amount, and it happened a few times. You saw the crowd reaction. There were a few times the passes mm. went backwards when it should have gone at least sideways or potentially even forwards. Um, again, it's it's something which is happening over time. It's been happening for a while, and that's stat-based decisions I think this this play you know this this definitely plays into the players thinking within a within a game itself I mean if he can come off and say well I did you know I did 20 passes 90 them 19 of them are accurate well that's all well and good but out of those 19 you know did you actually take any risks in, in playing that that pass mm. or you know it's it's all well and good coming out with great stats but this is where it always boils down for us it's you know the stats don't lie necessarily but they can definitely cloud your perception of what you just watched but I always like to think I don't need stats to 
to gauge what I've just watched with my eyes. I can tell whether the team did well. I mean, how, actually, just on this alone, how many times have we come out already this season? We've discussed where we didn't think we played very well, but we had 30 shots. Remember that yeah. we've had that conversation and it's just like, the shots are pointless. Shots are well and good, but if you're taking pop shots like Thomas Partey did against Brighton a couple of weeks ago and they're just fucking out of the ground near enough, it's pointless. Um, and, you know, there's just loads of little things like that. But yeah, just going back to that last minute winner, you know, I, I half celebrated it. Obviously, it's always nice to, to get a last minute winner, mainly to stick it to the other team more than anything. But, you know, I did have that, that thought, that contrast was Arsenal were a team on the up when we scored that, that level of back in the day with Patrick Vieira and everything was seemed to be in a good place. We were on the rise. You know, Wenger was recently in the door and things were rosy. Whereas now we're off the back of five, six years of absolute mediocrity. Um, we're incredibly frustrated. Um, our ambitions or expectations are probably, dare I say, too high for this current Arsenal team. But that's not to say that our ambitions are wrong. Of course they're not. Um, but they just don't, they, you know, our ambitions as a support, you know, as a fan base doesn't quite align with the, the quality that we have in our starting 11. Uh, but I think that's where we're at. We're all very frustrated. Um, you know, it also was reminiscent of when we scrapped a draw. Who did we scrap a draw against last season? Was it Lacazette as well? Getting a last minute. And it was the most uncelebrated goal at the Emirates I can ever remember in recent history. Southampton. South, was it Southampton? It, wasn't like, it was, fans were there. It was pre-COVID. Um, mm. Yeah, it's pre-COVID, yeah. <clears throat> no, I, th I think you're right, but I think it's also, it's all about the context, isn't it? Like, it's the context of the game and because we had played so badly mm. um, and I think there was that. So you could understand why people would be less um, infused mm. to you know, get excited about it. Um, you switched on put a really good point there about, about the stats. So you, you say the stats don't lie. So let's say you don't watch the game, you watch the mm. highlights, okay? Mm. And you look at the stats. Arsenal 54% possession to Palace's 46%. Arsenal shots 17 to Palace's nine. Uh, both teams have six on target. Uh, corner 64. So you look at that and think, well, Arsenal played badly. They dominated. Yeah, mm. that, that that is a false tale. You know, Palace were, were far superior. So I don't think Palace were that great, which makes it worse for me, by the way. I don't think they were the far superior team. I think they were just the better of two poor sides playing out a relatively poor game of football overall. I, I would disagree. I thought they, well, maybe they were, maybe that shows where we're at. I, I thought they were, yeah. they were far more dominant uh, in the midfield. I mean, it came to that midfield battle and I think that's where, listen, we had, I, I had no issues with the lineup before the game. Me neither. I, I looked yeah. at it and was excited, but mm -hmm. hindsight's a wonderful thing. Uh, one of our favourite words on, on, on the podcast. Um, and it was probably too top-heavy. You know, we had two attacking players, but then, mm. you know, how can we have so many attacking players and create so few chances? Forget the stats, because we didn't create a lot all game. We, mm. we are very... In that final third, we just lack. It's just some really lacking, whether it's that, like you said, that that um, willing to, you know, play a risky ball and, and take a mm. risk. And we are so safe. And I, and I think we've got players like, you know, Martin Odegaard just sort of not in his best position. He was out on the wing a lot where it just seems a mm. waste. We continue to play Saka, not down the right. Saka oh. is, is our best player. Why are we playing Saka on the left to accommodate Pepe on the right? I appreciate, you know, he played a part in the goal. I just don't, mm. just don't like him. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's got any presence on that wing. I think mm. he's weak. Mm. Um, he's predictable. 
Mm. And honestly, so team, honestly, I feel like he's in the team because of his price tag. Um, maybe that's a little bit too critical. Maybe I'm being reactionary, but it's just it's his third season now, and I just don't see anything from him. Yeah, it's hard not to disagree with you. To be honest, with you. the biggest frustration I had, and again, this is something we've spoken about on and off the pod over the last year, and that's a case of, you know, like you said, you know, we shouldn't be accommodating for Pepe uh, in that situation. Because like like you, I was I was happy with the lineup. I thought, yeah, we're at home. We should be or should be looking to be the dominant side and have most of the ball. That lineup makes sense to me. The only thing that may, and again, hindsight, wonderful thing, but maybe it doesn't in the in the modern Premier League era. But just having Thomas Partey do all the business on his own is that maybe throwing him under the bus a little bit? We ask him maybe a little bit too much of him. Doesn't excuse his performance, obviously. He should still be doing better, but maybe we are asking too much of him as one person. But that's a whole nother conversation to have, right? The, you know, the accommodating for Pepe, the thing that frustrates us the most, and we spoke about is, and we've seen it with, again, our eyes, not stats. And that is Pepe looks more effective on the left and Saka is better on the right. Why did we not do that going into the game? That was the one small frustration I had. But, you know, I had it for all of however long, how long you know, how long did it take us to score? Where did that goal come from? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I know it's only a small thing, but that will be the the knee-jerk response, it would be, well, he had a goal involvement, ne- you know, very nearly scored, did absolutely bugger all thereafter. But even just saying that alone, it makes me think of the other person who's up front that I've got concerns with lately, um, and that's Aubameyang. And the problem is, scored a goal, but look at the difference when Lacazette came on and against mm-hmm. Brighton, against, he's a link-up player and he brings more to the table. So I think there's a conversation to be had with Pepe. Lacazette's got to start Friday. Um, personally, I'd pull like I'd pull Pepe. I'd pull a Bamiang. Um, if Saka's fit, I'm not entirely sure what's going on. That. I don't think he's going to be. Um, but you know, if it, you know, put an ice pack on this leg, he'll be fine. Mm. You know, ideally, you want Saka on the right, maybe bring Martinelli, give him a run, um, and then Lacazette for him. But we'll, we'll probably see a Bamiang and Pepe again in the team. Oh. Arteta is very predictable in his lineup. Um, I, I don't understand why we don't play Pepe on the left, and it just it just feels a lot more natural when he's on that side. Mm. Maybe he, the player doesn't like it. Plus, he'd get more support. Do you know what I mean? Kieran Tierney's an overlapping. Well, he used left to back. be. He used yeah, to. he's not. Yeah, terrible, we'll, we'll come on to this in a minute, actually, because this is something I said to you yesterday. I think, but um, you know, you look at Tommy Arso, and I, you know. He's had a, I think he's had a couple of eye-opening games in the Premier League um, of late um, and realises that he's probably up for more of a battle than he initially thought because he started the ground, uh, you know, sorry, started the ground, he hit the ground running. Um, don't get me wrong, he wasn't poor the other night, but he's not the player who's going to constantly and consistently overlap and give Pepe the support that he needs. But it was funny, the one time they did link up quite well, the result within the goal. Um but yeah, I mean, look, there, there, there's so many concerns. There's, we're just very disjointed. Um, we're not very coherent in what we're doing. We, we just look look pretty void of ideas. And the, the one thing I really wanted to touch on was, and, you know, you just kind of half touched on it there, you know, Kieran Tierney doesn't look like the, the energised player that he was when he arrived. I'm very concerned with how tired our team looks in general, whether that's just a body language thing or they are actually tired. Who knows? I don't have that information. None of us will. But 
every game this season, one of our players has pulled up with cramp. Mm. Every game. Um, Thomas Pye uh, and Kieran Tierney, there's a real like ongoing underlying issue with, with their fitness and they never look, whether it's, whether it's just not, they just don't look interested full stop, you know, regardless mm. of fitness. There have been a lot of players who really have struggled to hit the ground running this season. Uh, and we always talk about, you know, if it comes together, we've got you know, the, the, a lot of potential, but it's it's all ifs, buts and maybes. And also I find it very interesting that the, you know, the players often come out and they talk about the manager and they say, oh, you know, he's a great coach and mm. this and that. It's like, well, we, let, let's see that on the pitch. Mm. It's just not a stacking up for me. Mikel Arteta has been in the job now 22 months. Mm. There's always there's always going to be the debate: is it the players? Is it the manager? I think these players are better than where we are. Not necessarily that much better. Mm. I think we've got a young team, a lot of inexperience. And you're going to get these performances. You know, we can't rely on the likes of Saka, Emil Smith Rowe to guide every week because every they're week, not no. they're not at that level where they're going to be you know top of their game. Uh, and that's not a criticism. That's, that's the reality. Just young, they don't have the yeah. experience to and manage certain situ- in game situations. You know, that, that's the gamble we've taken by spending the money on these types of players. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've gone for a very young team and, and it is exciting, but I think going forward, we need a bounce and I think we do need to bring in some ready-made experienced players, mm-hmm. whether they're going to want to come to Arsenal, whether we're going to have the money. For me, the bottom line, I think I think I'm, I'm done with this manager now. I'm saying it, it's done. Um, I think a lot of people are. Um, I mean, I think... You know, I always, always, always said from day dot, this Christmas that we are now approaching is the one where a decision will have to be made or we will, not a decision will have to be made, we will know what we have with Mikel Arteta. And I think, unfortunately, it's it's not what, what we were expecting. I just think, yeah, I mean, look, I don't have to think anything. I'm just watching it. I mean, we're all seeing it. You know, it doesn't take a genius to go that Arsenal are boring to watch at the minute. That's just the fact. It pains me to say it because we're really poor. We're a poor footballing side to watch bar 45 minutes against Tottenham. Mm. But it's just a case of, I do think the group of players are European level. And I mean, Europa League. I wouldn't even throw in the Champions League at this stage at all. I do think that the... Again, it's the it's what the eyes see, isn't it? The, the, everything's too safe. Everything is far too far too organised. There's not enough freedom. And I think, again, I'm going to keep referencing it, but the Ars blog reference, I don't know whether you've seen it, where it's the Goldilocks. Everything feels like, you know, it has to be just right. You know, the you know everything has to be perfect for us to, to in order for us to score a goal. You know, if you even look at quite a few of our goals, it's that, kind of not traditional Man City, but that Pep Guardiola, uh, Pep Guardiola football where, you know, you look at how many times did we see Sterling flying in the back post to, you know, after someone squared it six yards out. We, we've scored a few of our you know, goals like that this season. Um, I just want to see the players take a bit of onus during the game, um, which I feel like maybe there is there a fear. Is there a, you know, the manager says we got to do what the manager says, but I don't know. It's, it's at the point where if we're not behind the scenes looking at what options are available to us within the next couple of months, then I would be incredibly worried. I think the issue is we've talked about it to death as a fan base. Um, and there are, you know, a lot of fans who still believe in this idea, this process, this project, whatever you want to call it. Um, times are now. 
we can't afford to be sat in the table at Christmas again. And we probably will be. Yeah, we will. Yeah, no, we 100% will. But, you know, like you just said, sorry, Steve, about the, the process. And, you know, some, like you said, some people are still bought into it. I mean, look, I'm still bought into the ideology of the process. But that doesn't mean that I have to be bought into the manager. I still support the process. The process makes sense. As I love how you say are. process. <laughs> process, process. Jesus, don't come. You're you're middle. You're from the Midlands, mate. Don't be coming at me about accents and pronunciations. Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's there's a there's like it's just giggling away at me now. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't. You know, the one doesn't marry to the other, right? You can back the process, but not back the manager. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at because I get, you know, if this is the vision that the club has to go on right now. I'm all for it. It makes sense as to where we are. And a lot of people will say, yeah, do you know what? That does make sense. Some people like Gary Neville can't see, you know, the writing on the wall in front of their very fucking face. But I still think we could get a better tune out of these players. I really, really do. And that's where my concern lies right now. And that is we should be looking at uh, alternative options in the manager market for sure. And if we're not, that's more worrying than anything that we've spoken about today. So for this week's one good, one bad, there's a few potential uh, candidates. We'll kick off with a good. Hit me. I'm, I'm going to give it to Lacazette. I just thought, you know, his passion and he injected something into that, not only the side, but the crowd on Monday night. And I thought, you know what? That's one thing I can get behind. Um, he's a player that shows passion, but it's all well and good just putting it on for show, but he scored the equaliser. So... Scraping the barrel, but I'll go Lacazette is my one good from the week. Mine isn't Arsenal related. Go on, I've gone with Leicester City is my one good. Anyone who thrashes Man United, you've got to love that. You, yeah. You've got to enjoy that. Um, my friend of mine said to me, he said, you didn't text me about uh, Leicester freshness. I said, yes, because we're playing on Monday. <laughs> never never get, give out the banter before your own teams play. We've all made that mistake. Um, and then it, you know you you look a bit silly, but no, that was great. Always always love that. Um, always a winner. Always a winner. And for you, one bad, one bad. Um, we didn't touch about you know touch upon it in the game review. Um, again, it's something else which has been spoken about quite a lot. And I instantly thought it when I saw the replay. James McCarthy's tackle, or actually, I'm not even going to use the phrase tackle because it's not even a tackle for a start it's just well we all saw what it was it was just an absolute loss of you know lost the head in that split second it was disgusting I don't expect to see that on a football pitch at any time or any place and the one bad isn't the player himself it's the officials that were in charge of that that game on Monday night I mean look we don't need to go into too much about Mike Dean he's a bit of a it was a strange character altogether. But um, yeah, the fact that it would have been looked at, I'm sure, and just deemed that that's acceptable behaviour. Yeah. It's absolutely fucking mental. And I'm sorry, but with the way the game is now and referees, they've all got earpieces. They've had earpieces for fucking ages. Why can the person who is, or why can the par- person who's in the VAR room not get onto that little earpiece in Mike Dean's ear and go, Mike, I think you might have made a bit of a mistake there, mate. We might need to look at this one again. 
because I've just watched it and it's pretty fucking obvious that that guy should have been sent off. He's literally just kicked the shit out of Saka from behind. And the ball's completely gone. If he's it's, walked, he's, the goalkeeper did that. The ball's going up. He's, Saka's going up for a header. Oh, a fucking yeah. header. And it's just like, what? I don't know. Look, we, we speak about this quite a lot. And again, you can use the, if it was Granite Saka, blah, blah, blah. Look, I just think the standard of officiating, I can, in the moment, I can understand, right? Heat the moment, split decisions. I can understand that it's human error. I can, even though that one was bad. But now we have VAR to, to correct these decisions. Oh, it's just so bad. It's just really poor to watch. Uh, you know, I'd like to think, you know, it's the other one as well. If it was Granit Xhaka making the challenge, if it was Harry Kane receiving that kick, would it have been... You know what I mean? Like, you laugh because it's true. You laugh because it's true. Um I'm not here to bemoan officiating every week, but that shit's terrible. Mm. It's actually terrible. But anyway, look, that's my one clear and obvious bad, unless you've got something different that you want to bring up. Well, my 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 award for, for the bad goes to Sky Sports. Um, so the preview to Arsenal Palace was pretty much the Man United show. Mm-hmm. If, for the, if the entirety of the pre-match build-up, they talked about Man United losing to Leicester, which I thought was wonderful. Mm. Uh, bearing in mind it was it was Arsenal Crystal Palace on Monday night. Um, so, so thanks for that, Gary. Uh, but also the, the Sky Sports and uh, BT and Amazon fixtures for December, which mm. are completely abysmal for the match-going fans. Uh, there's a complete disregard to anyone uh, who actually goes to games. Um, so that they've moved to May nights to the Thursday, Everton to a Monday night, mm. Leeds 5.30, um, it's just really, really annoying, um, especially as we haven't got European football anymore. You were, we were expecting or anticipating a lot more you know, Saturday three o'clocks. It's just really, it's just a real disregard for fans. So yeah, Sky Sports, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, that's a fair, fair comment uh, on more than one level for sure. Okay, well that's one good, one bad. Do you want to move on to an on this day, Steve? Go on then, hit me. Hit me, not physically, as much as I'd love to sometimes. <laughs> but no, it's a, a decent on this day. Um, we're going to keep it this way um, until at least Liam comes back. Because I'd like to test Liam one time as well. Because he's a knowledgeable chap. But the on this day is from October 2015. Back in the day when we used to play this thing called uh, Champions League football. What's that? On a weekday. Jesus Christ, those days feel like so long ago. This is depressing. <laughs> but um, we battered Bayern Munich 2-0 at the Emirates. First of all, who scored the goals? Did Ezel score? He did score a goal. Who else? Was it Danny Welbeck? No. Was it Giroud? Big Olivier Giroud. Yes. Yes. However, can you name the starting 11 from that blissful night at the Emirates? Let me just look on Google. <laughs> quick, quick Google, yeah. Um, anyway, looking at this, we played a 4-2-3-1. I was going to say, that was the, of that sort of era, everyone mm. played the 4-2-3-1. Um, mm. So I'm going to kick it off with Czech and goal. Yeah. Monreal, a left back. Yeah. Um, Bellerin at right back. Yep. 
Oh, he's going to go for 100% defence here, isn't he, guys? Shawnee and Mertesacker. 100% record. Oh, he loves a good five. back five solid I start, do. Steve. Yeah, he really does. <laughs> That's great. The, the, the solid back five start. This is where right. it goes downhill. Um, then we've got the, the two centre mids. So that'd be Ramsey. No. Incorrect. Kazola. Kazola, yes. And um, who's that guy who went to Villarreal? We were talking about him last week. Yeah, we were. Uh, what's his name? His name was literally gone. A formidable partnership. Like a fart in the wind. His name was Francis. Pocalan. There, there we, we go. go. You knew how it meant. I knew he you was, had it. And was he I, in the team, was he? He was, yeah. <laughs> he was around this sort of time. So then we've got the, the three behind the striker, and they so are. I'm going to go Sanchez, Ozil, Walcott. Two correct. Theo Walcott was the striker on this day. Was he? Yes. That's so the different. supporting... Slightly deeper midfielder, renowned for making those no, renowned for making those late runs into the box. You've already mentioned him as well. Ramsey. Yeah. So Ramsey, Ozil, Sanchez, and Walcott. Walcott was up front that Drew day. on the bench, was he? Yep. I, mm. think, I, I think I smashed that. No, you, you just. Know, I've got. You... I've got one for next week from like 1961. Um. So. Well, I'm doing it next week. So. <laughs> But no, that was that was pretty decent. Um, he was on the bench, yeah. can I ask? Yeah, absolutely. We had Matthew Debushi, oh. Kieran Gibbs. Yeah. Our wonderful astute manager and Mikhail Arteta. Big Olivier Giroud, obviously, impact sub. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Just on that, very quickly, what are your views on our links with him for January? You know what? I was going to actually mention this in the last one. We forgot to talk about it. Not a chance. No. Not in a month or something. Listen, I like the guy. I think, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, left the Arsenal and, and you, 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 you'll, be hard, you'll be hard up to find anyone who would ever have a bad word to say about him. Likeable guy. Yeah. Um, but Henri sort of hit the nail on the head, didn't he, in terms of like, what is his position? Is he a winger? Is he a striker? Is he like a central midfielder? Is he number 10? Um, you know, we see a lot. There was a lot of promise. You know, I remember there was, mm-hmm. you know, throughout his time at Arsenal and at Liverpool, you know, he's got a great shot on him. But injury and just that lack of sort of where's his best position? I don't know. Exactly um, that. And he's never really, you know, he's, he's good as a squad player. He'll come on, you know, 20 minutes to go. But I think, you know, it, it, it's not someone I want back. Serge Gnabry. Absolutely, all day long. I'll take him. Back. Yeah, we're taking back. But no, it's funny because you know you look at the ox now, and I feel like we've now got a, a similar sort of issue with another player that we've got, and that's Ainsley, Maitland Nars. It's just like he's another one where you're like, where the fuck do you play? But what I find you know really mad about the ox is we had him for a number of years. When he left, not one person would go. That's his definitive position. He's moved on to another very high level, and we were probably more elite back then than we are now, unfortunately. But, you know, he's been at Liverpool for, for a number of years now and it's the same thing. I bet if he left there and you went Liverpool fans, where is this lad's strongest position? You, you'll get a handful of answers. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm like you on that. I don't, it's very rare that I think once you let a player go, that you would want to see them back. I think, again, that's another thing which is changing in my mindset possibly. Um because again, how far we've fallen, it used to be the case that we were the elite level. And once we let players go, it was usually a pretty good decision. Whereas now there's been a, there's a couple out there where you're like, well, that wasn't great. This wasn't great. And also our squad's so poor. 
that play it's funny isn't it players that we thought were once not that great for us probably now seem better um looking back with that wonderful magic word that we like to use and that's hindsight you know i was just looking at that starting starting lineup and you just think jesus christ i you know, as much as I love the youth of our front four and stuff, but, you know, Sanchez on his day was brilliant. Ozil, they used to link up brilliantly. Ramsey was great. Walker on his day was not not too bad, but... You know what? All, all that team was missing, and we've said it on here many times, all we all we were missing was an Aubameyang, a prime Aubameyang. We, I think that would have been the difference between finishing third mm. and winning the league yeah. that season when Leicester won the title. That was all we needed. We were just crying out for... You know, yeah, Giroud had that season, isn't it? Because it's funny, he's another bloke who'll just divide opinion. You know, I think Giroud's a great, a great player. Um, I always admired his his link-up play and the way he could bring in other players. It was absolutely fantastic on his day. And he went on to prove that at Chelsea as well. But he just didn't... I mean, look, there was that was the you know, Mesut Ozil's peak season for us, wasn't it? Um, and he broke records that season for assists, but it could have been way more if Giroud... You know, was on top of his game that season, which we had like Welbeck. I mean, yeah, we just fell short with Welbeck, Giroud, Walcott. Mm. Um, I think a Batman came a little bit too late, mm. um, unfortunately. And you know, especially with like Skazola, you know, Ramsey was doing bits. We had a very good team, to be honest. I mm. don't think you, I think you know, as a football fan, you don't always appreciate it. You look back and you think, Christ, we had a very good side back then. Um, but that's football, mate. That's because we're comparing it to what we've got now. And back then, when that was the team, we were comparing it to what was there before. It's funny, isn't it? You can never win. Um, as a football fan, you're always looking at something else to compare it against. What, what show? So think, were we in Puma right then? That was, was, uh, I do believe that would have been, yeah, our second, uh, our second season with Puma. Um, so it's the white buttoned collar. With uh, I actually didn't mind it. I didn't mind it too much. Speaking of shirts, if you like shirts, jump up. If you go on Spotify, scroll down, you'll find a lovely shirt podcast from last week. Check it out. Look at that. There's gonna be a part two as well. Where yeah, we'll do a part two where where I actually get to speak, (laughs) which is never apparently. Jesus Christ! I think you must be deaf when it comes to listening to your own voice, buddy. But um, no, I think we'll definitely do a part two. And it'd be, in, like I said to you, it'd be interesting to see what Liam's kind of uh, favourite shirts are. Um, you know, because he's a good bit younger than myself. Not really a shirt man, is he, though? No, but he was still like, then, you know, whether you're a shirt man or not, you can still appreciate a good kit, I'm sure. Um, that's just my uh, incredibly biased opinion, I guess, to be honest um, with you. Quick word on Villa. Confident? Wait, yeah, I mean, No. Actually, I, I'm actually not confident, Steve, to be honest, because confidence just comes and bites you in the arse, uh, as Monday night showed. But um, yeah. no, I mean, look, the one good thing that we should probably th- lean into is, dare I say that I want to see a reaction. You know, I want to see some some passion, but then I don't want to be thrown into the that false sense of security where I think, oh, Arsenal's back, and then we go and play someone next week and we're shite again. So... Let's be honest, I want to see us win. I just want to see us start to be get some consistent results. Um, but I, I honestly think I'm setting myself up for, for, for failure there because I don't think this team, or more importantly, this manager, um, is able to deliver consistent results for this football club. What about you? It's the hope that kills you. And I feel like there's always like a reset button where I always feel like quietly confident. I don't really know where that confidence 
comes from. That's a, that's being a football fan. Yeah. You, you always fancy us. Listen, I, I don't think Villa are particularly been that great this season. Um, mm. I know a few Villa fans and that, you know, they were, they were two up against Wolves on the weekend and they played very poor and then <clears throat> they actually ended up losing 3-2. But without Grealish, they're a different animal now. Um, they're not the Villa of last season. Mm. I think there's a real hole in that team and I think, you know, it's a very winnable game. Um, and you know what? We win it, three points on the table. And then it's, I believe it's, is it Watford at home or West Ham the following week? I'm not, we've got a few, there's a few, we've got a few winnable home games. We've got to get points on the board before um, we go to Liverpool and um, they pull our pants down. And I can't wait for that because I'm actually, me and Steph will be going uh, to Anfield for that one. I think you're absolutely mad, to be honest. Yeah, you know what? I think I'm absolutely mad. So, no, look, that's the thing, isn't it? And you touched on it the other day, I think. Unfortunately, you know, going to going to watch the Arsenal um, isn't just about watching, um, you know, elite level sports anymore um, or an elite level team. It's, you know, it's like you said, it's the social aspect that a lot of us still enjoy uh, about going to watch the Arsenal. And that's that's kind of it. And I think that will be one of those days. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I really hope that, you know, I get proved incredibly wrong. Um and then we go and sneak a little scrappy one nil. Imagine that. Imagine. Imagine. Imagine the scenes. I just can't. I mean, the fear of every time we go to Anfield, my fear is how far away will they be come half time? Um, that's it's horrible. We, we are. We, I mean, listen. This is this is peak optimism. We are. We we are due a victory there. We haven't beaten them there for years. When I was growing up watching football, we used to have a very good record there. We used to beat them quite a lot. But tricky place to go, mate. It is a tricky one, isn't it? it Especially is Salah, who scores for fun. Yeah, he's in he's in serious form, isn't he, at the minute? Definitely, in my opinion, the best player in the world right now. Um, I don't think there's much argument oh, for that, yeah. really, to be honest with you. If you look at the usual suspects, I think the only person that could come close to him, and again, it's not somebody, you know, or somebody or from a league that I would watch very often, and that's Lewandowski. But again, I just think pure ability-wise and goal scoring and you know everything else. I Salah's just on a different level at the minute. But I guess we should probably wrap that up there, Steve. No, I mean, look, it's as always, we can only apologise for what Arsenal serve up and then what we have to talk to you about. It's just, that's just the reality of the, the life that we're in. But um, look, as always, we, you know, we just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast and we hope you enjoyed it. Um, like I said, as much as you possibly can. I get that probably a lot of people are just as frustrated as we are. But look, the better days will come. When they'll come, I couldn't fucking tell you, but they're coming. But anyway, you can follow us on all the social media platforms. Steve can be found on both Twitter and Instagram at In The Clock End. Myself, you can find me on Twitter at underscore the arse underscore and Instagram at the Arsenal shirt. And Liam, who, if it wasn't for my wonderfully poor organisational skills would have been on this week's podcast but I've double booked myself and um, he'll be back next week you can find him on both Twitter and Instagram at Gronin Guna but look keep an eye on our social media feeds uh, for information on that podcast hopefully we'll be able to discuss three points after beating Villa um, and that would be absolutely fantastic but look until then look after yourselves look after each other take care goodbye goodbye